Welcome to the Wisdom of the Womb podcast, your home for mind, body, and soul wellness for women. My name is Stephanie Adler. I'm a certified nutrition consultant, birth doula, and women's hormone and fertility expert. I've supported hundreds of women in having healthy cycles, healthy babies, and building a balanced foundation in their bodies and minds to set them up for a limitless life. Now it's your turn. I believe a woman reaches her full potential when she trusts the innate wisdom of her body and that those women change the world. So if you're wanting to achieve hormone harmony, have boundless energy, optimize your fertility, live a holistically healthy life, and learn how to love and trust your body to become the well woman you know you are meant to be, you're in the right place. Join me for weekly wisdom on topics such as holistic hormone and gut health, fertility, mindfulness, birth, pregnancy, and beyond, and leave with actionable steps towards well womanhood. Thanks for pressing play today. I'm so excited for the magic we're going to create together. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Today on the pod, we are going over my preconception checklist for any mama who wants to go into pregnancy with more ease, feeling confident and having a healthy baby and a healthy pregnancy. And I could not be more happy to be sharing this episode with you today. I am not going to name names, but when I was thinking about starting this podcast and also was just, you know, getting ready for the phase of my life where I was going into knowing I was going to be getting pregnant soon, I wanted to see what information was out there. And, you know, I work in this field. And so I wasn't expecting to have anything that was like, radically surprising to me, but I was just curious, like if I search preconception checklist, if I search fertility podcast, what comes up and what I found when I was listening to a couple of these made me viscerally angry. You know, I I just couldn't stop thinking if this is what the average woman is following in terms of recommendations for preconception, no wonder we have a fertility epidemic. No wonder there's more kids than ever with allergies and chronic illness and, Yeah. So I decided to make my own and I'm going to be sharing with you my 10 point checklist for a holistically minded mama to be. And I will say, you know, just a reminder, none of this is medical advice. I always encourage you to speak with your care providers when making changes to your lifestyle and that 90% of what I'm going to share with you. So that's nine out of 10. If we have a 10 point checklist (laughs) is backed by research, hard data, And 10%. So one of the points is backed by my years of anecdotal experience in this field, my own personal experience, and is a little bit woo, but I hope that you take all 10 of them equally and you'll know which one it is when we get to that number, but let's dive in. There's so much juiciness here. And just also a thought and a reminder is why this is so important is when we go into a conception journey with intention, with so much of what I'm going to share in mind, not only do we have healthier babies, which become the future generation, but we also have healthier mamas going into that pregnancy and in postpartum and then healthier parents to these growing, developing, beautiful minds, which overall builds a healthier society and changes the world, really changes the world. I mean, we're talking body health, mind health, mental health, heart, you know, like spiritual health. It's, it's, it's also connected. So thank you for listening. If you were on a preconception journey now, 
going into one in the future, listening for a friend, you are doing your part to making our, our world a better place, really. So let's go ahead and jump in. The first check mark, the first checkpoint on our checklist, and this one should be obvious, but for many it's not because unfortunately so many OBGYNs do not give, in my opinion, what is accurate information, even based on the data, um, is getting off of your hormonal birth control if you are on hormonal birth control, at least six months before you desire to conceive. So many OBGYNs advise their patients to get off right before they want to get pregnant. And in my opinion, ideally we would have a year minimum, but really a minimum minimum of six months before having intercourse with the intention to conceive even more as ideal sometimes in cases, because, you know, if you, or if someone was on hormonal birth control for 10 years, it can take much longer than a year for their cycle to regulate. Some experts say it can take half as much time as you were on hormonal birth control for your cycle to regulate. Will this be the case for every woman? No, for sure not. Some people will immediately get their cycle back. Their hormones will be gravy baby within a couple months, but that often is not the case. You know, I've definitely worked with women who it's taken years. And even when we're doing the work that speeds it up and we're, you know, detoxing the body and we're opening up the liver pathways and we're healing the gut and we're doing all the things that really help balance a body after being on birth control, it can still take time. And so we really want that minimum of six months or a minimum ish of a year, but ideally as long as possible being off of hormonal birth control before conceiving, but not only because it could take your cycle that long to regulate, but because recent research shows that there's an increase and a pretty significant increase in childhood leukemia in children who were born to mamas who were using hormonal birth control within six months of conception. There is so much that we don't fully understand around the impacts of hormonal birth control and what it can, you know, it, it still is lingering in your body for several months and like the impact that that could have on a developing fetus. So we're only starting to do some of the research on that. Highly recommend checking out my podcast about hormonal birth control and the truth about it for modern women, where we talk about this a little bit more deeply, but I do recommend using a different form of protection for at least six months after getting off of hormonal birth control because of this in order to promote having the healthiest baby possible. Um, not only do we want to protect the developing fetus, right. And from any of those potential side effects and also give your body time to see what your cycle does after being on hormonal birth control. But this also can give us the time if we're seeing what your cycle does, if it's doing something irregular, it can give us time to address those hormonal imbalances that can lead to difficulty conceiving and, or pregnancy loss. So it really can help have an easier transition into pregnancy and have a healthier more viable pregnancy if we give it more time being off of hormonal birth control. And also being on hormonal birth control can cause nutrient deficiencies if you're using oral contraception. So if you're using the birth control pill and it gives us time to repair and replenish those nutrient deficiencies, many of which are critical for fertility, conception, healthy development of a babe. 
So again, it just gives us time to rebuild, remineralize, resupport the body before going into conception. So if you or someone you know who is going into a conception journey is still on hormonal birth control, that is step number one. Checkpoint number two on our preconception checklist is to eat for nutrient density and to eat for your egg quality. Also have your baby making partner do the same. So eat for their sperm quality um, and eat nutrient dense foods. So nutrient density is the name of the game when it comes to preconception nutrition. And for what does that mean? Like what are nutrient dense foods, I typically recommend looking toward traditional foods. So foods that have been traditionally prioritized for fertility, pregnancy, postpartum around the world in traditional cultures, even sometimes in the animal kingdom, we see this and have a massive impact on your overall nutrient reserves that you'll be able to give to baby. And so these foods, some of my favorites for the mama to be are liver, and other organ meats. So that could be heart or kidneys, oysters. Really like, do we need another reason to go to oyster happy hour? <laughs> also, if you don't live somewhere where um, having oysters fresh and accessible like that is available to you all year, or just even whenever, canned oysters are a really great option too. And they can be really yummy on top of some Mary's Gone Crackers. Um, egg yolks prepared in a bioavailable way, the less cooked, the better. So egg yolks are really interesting in terms of nutrient density. They are so rich in choline. They are so rich. They can be so rich in vitamin D. If those hens were exposed to sunlight, they're so nutrient dense. We do want them to be not overcooked. It actually not only limits how bioavailable those nutrients are for you, but also can then even have a little bit of an opposite effect and it can go um, and be a little bit detrimental. So like a nice over easy, over medium, soft boiled egg, all of that is great. Um, if you are comfortable doing raw egg yolks, that's also a really great viable option as well. Red meat. This could be beef, this could be lamb, this could be mutton, uh, bison, venison, elk, you name it. Game meat, awesome. Red meat is the most nutrient dense muscle meat there is, no questions asked. Dark leafy greens are another great example of nutrient dense foods, fatty fish and fish roe. So um, if, you know, those like little fish eggs that you get on top of sushi, you can order those and get them at home. And they're actually something I always recommend mamas eat in the third trimester to promote even better brain development, but getting a head start on that, just fatty fish and fish row, super nutrient dense seeds. This could be flax seeds, hemp seeds, seeds in general, bone broth, raw dairy, if it's tolerated is an amazing nutrient dense food. Also plenty of ghee. If you don't do super well with regular dairy, ghee can be a great option and butter. Okay. Um, all of these are like those traditional nutrient dense foods that are just so valuable in this preconception period and then continuing through pregnancy. But really we want to focus on building up before you even know you're pregnant. And 
We also want to think about, again, that egg quality, that sperm quality. And so focusing on these quality enhancers, which are primarily found in an anti, in these antioxidant rich foods, some of which we already talked about above, you know, we mentioned like leafy greens, egg yolks, et cetera. These are really antioxidant rich foods. Um, but also we can think about it a little bit more in the plant kingdom, things that are really deeply colorful and deeply pigmented. So this could be berries, pomegranates, beets, anything that has that really rich color throughout. So if you cut open a piece of fruit or a vegetable and it is fully colorful all the way through, that is an example of a deeply pigmented food. If you take a apple that is like so pretty and pink and red on the outside, but you cut into it on the inside and it's beige on the inside, that is not a deeply pigmented food. The more deeply pigmented, the more rich color, the more antioxidants it has, it's going to be a really beautiful enhancer for egg quality. So thinking about your day-to-day -day diet, your week-to-week -week rotation, how often do you incorporate any of the foods I shared above? Can you work these into a weekly rotation? it's going to go a really long way. This is one of the main things I do with my fertility clients is we build modern meal plans, right? You know, sometimes I think when people hear organ meat and raw egg yolks and fish roe and bone broth and ghee, they're just like, imagine, you know, someone sitting around a fire, like a caveman eating these things, but you know, we can build these really modern meal plans to incorporate these more traditional foods. And it really works. I'll actually share. I love, um, there's a brand called force of nature, not sponsored or anything. I just love them. Um, that makes ancestral blends where it's something like nine, let's say 93% ground beef or bison, 6%, uh, no, that's probably a little high, like 5% liver and then the remaining heart or something. And that's a really easy way to ease into organ meat. If that's something that you're on, you know, not familiar with. So we'll put that in the show notes, um, so that you have an opportunity to check them out and see if that's a good way for you to start incorporating some of those foods. But yeah, if that feels, you know, big, start with some bone broth, start with some you know, runny eggs, just really start to work these foods into your preconception diet and really support that premester, which is the trimester before you conceive. All right. So the third point on our preconception checklist is to adopt a 90-10 fertility framework diet, similarly to have your baby making partner do the same. So my fertility framework diet approach really looks at four factors. The first two are nutrient rich and traditional, which we just spoke to. And the other two are hormone supportive, metabolically and metabolically supportive, and not sad, sad being like sad as in an emotion, but also standard American diet sad. And I do go in depth in these, in my course, Fertility Freedom Academy, and of course with my private clients, but on a high level, what you should be thinking about is eating for your cycle or hormone health. If you're thinking about a male counterpart and reducing inflammatory sources in your, of, of, you know, reducing sources of inflammation in your diet. If you're a woman in a cycling body, Eating for your cycle by cycle syncing your foods is going to go a really long way. Prioritizing blood sugar management is going to go a really long way. Um, I have another podcast about blood sugar management. So check that out. If you need have questions on 
blood sugar management. And we typically want to reduce or eliminate exposure to things like sugar, unconventional meat and dairy. So non-organic meat and dairy, conventional dirty dozen produce, unfermented soy, that's like tofu, refined carbohydrates, things a lot, you know, that are made with flowers, heavy metal foods. So foods that are high in heavy metals, this could be tuna. This also is like not cooking on aluminum foil, um, industrial seed oils. So that's the canola oil, the grapeseed oil, the safflower oil, the sunflower oil, it's in everything, um, and processed foods as much as possible. And this is where that 90, 10 comes in. When I say adopt a 90, 10 fertility framework diet, many people, even who are living a holistically conscious, you know, life around food oftentimes live more closely to like a 70, 30 lifestyle, maybe 80, 20 in a good you know, case, but a lot of times people are around that 70, 30 lifestyle. But when it comes to pre-planning for conception, not only for the ease of conceiving, but also for the health of your future child and you during and after you're pregnant, I really suggest sticking to a more 90-10 approach here. So 90% of the time eating according to this fertility framework diet, really focusing on the nutrient-rich and traditional foods, really focusing on the blood sugar supportive and um you know, antioxidant rich foods, really focusing on reducing exposure to inflammation causing foods 90% of the time, 10% of the time, you know, it's like, go enjoy being out to eat with a friend. And maybe you don't worry if the meat is organic and, you know, really enjoying being at someone's home and they made you gluten-free cookies and not worrying what kind of sugar they used in them, things like that, that 10% of the time doing what feels good for your soul, but really sticking closer to that 90, 10, as opposed to that 70, 30, 80, 20 in that preconception period. All right. Topic number four on our preconception checklist is to detox your house, your products and your body in this pre-mester. Developing fetuses are incredibly vulnerable to environmental exposure in terms of environmental exposure to toxins. They don't have mature organ systems yet. They also don't have detox methods in place yet, and they're in constant growth mode. So environmental chemicals can impact that growth in ways we've only scratched the surface on, but the surface we've scratched includes sexual health, everything relating from fertility issues later in life, hormone production, things that they've also seen in terms of erectile dysfunction, um, and also developmental and cancer concerns. And there was a test done on umbilical cord blood and over 200 chemicals were detected. So what that's telling us is that we know that these chemicals that mama is exposed to during pregnancy or already has in her system cross the placenta and impact the baby even before the baby is even earth's side. That's pretty wild. 200 chemicals, environmental contaminants were detected in umbilical cord blood, which, you know, we know goes back and forth 
between baby and the placenta. So if you wait until you know that you're pregnant to start the process of making your environment less toxic, it's a bit too late, right? Development has already started. The first trimester is one of the most critical points when it comes to development. Everything is being built in at rapid speed. And, you know, once you're pregnant, serious detox is not really in the cards. It's not something we do with pregnant women, it's not safe. So it's really important to start this process before you get pregnant of making your environment, your home, your body, you know, surrounding it with more, with less toxic ingredients and also not waiting until, you know, some people don't even know they're pregnant until several weeks after babe has already been developing. So you really want to use your preconception time to make sure that like anything in your home, on your body has the least amount of toxicity possible. The EWG, which is the environmental uh, working group has a platform called the healthy living platform. It's also an app, but you can use it online too, just on your desktop. Um, also there's an app called think dirty shop clean. Both of these are great resources to be able to just check your products, check what you clean your house with, check what you are using for your shampoo, your um, what you wash your clothes in laundry detergent, that's that word, um, you know, to, to really pay attention to that. And then additionally, you really want to utilize tools like the sauna, castor oil packs, dry brushing, Epsom salt baths, all of these things that really detox and support your body and detoxing and clearing anything that might be lingering around your home that is like being stored in your system. So we really wanna be able to detox that from the body before we get pregnant. So there's lots of those tools available for you. Um, additionally, I suggest that you educate yourself on sources of BPA and phthalates, which the research supports is strongly associated with harm to fetuses and babies and could impact them for their entire life and really try to limit your or eliminate your exposure to them. I will say one of the most hidden sources of BPA is receipts, right? So anytime you're taking a receipt, when you leave the grocery store or at a restaurant, when you're signing, you know, those are the things and you're looking, which one's the merchant copy and which one's the customer copy, all that touching of the receipts is just putting so much BPA into your system. Stop drinking out of plastic water bottles. Look at your plastic numbers, uh, the plastic, you know, the little numbers that show on that are for recycling that show on plastic that tell you what kind of plastic it is. So plastics five, four, one, and two are relatively safe when it comes to phthalates, other plastics, not so much. Um, so really start looking at those numbers, stop ordering takeout with hot food that comes in plastic or paper lined with plastic containers. You know, that uh, the example I think of that is like Chinese food, you know, where the it's like those little paper boxes, but they're, it's really all lined with plastic. It's not actually paper. Compo compostable, the ones that kind of look like like ground up sawdust is <laughs> kind of a good way of explaining it, I guess. Those are relatively safe when it comes to phthalates, but stop ordering takeout that's hot in plastic or paper lined with plastic containers and stop getting to-go cups when you go to coffee shops and things. Similarly, so many plastics, phthalates, et cetera. And I highly suggest looking into Dr. Shauna Swan's research on phthalates and their impact on developing fetuses as well. So detox your home, detox your body, detox your products, create a healthy, safe environment for baby. Um, I also suggest for our number five 
on our checklist, we're halfway there, is consider getting your minerals checked and take a high quality prenatal vitamin. So if you have the resources to do so, it's about $135 at the time of this recording. If you get a hair mineral analysis test, it is an indication of what mineral levels um, are present in your body. And before you go and take like a generic prenatal vitamin, this can be really valuable because it can give us, you know, more of clarity on what amounts of what minerals you have in the body. And like, maybe some of your minerals are out of balance. So perhaps you're really low on zinc, but high on calcium and a general prenatal is not going to stabilize your minerals. And not only is this going to make a difference in how you feel during pregnancy, but also how you feel postpartum when your body's in more of a depletion mode. But with this test, you can really customize your minerals, which is amazing, right? So instead of taking like one generic has 25 or 35 vitamins and minerals in it, and, you know, the, I'm doing little air quotes here, general recommended, recommended amount, we can really start to customize that a little bit more clearly to make sure that you, you're getting what you need for your body and for this coming babe. Now. If you're not going to do that or have, and it comes back that everything is totally balanced, a high quality professional prenatal is a pretty good way to go um, to make sure that you're getting enough nutrients because as much as I am a food first practitioner, our soils are really depleted. And even being very intentional about getting most of our nutrients from food, sometimes we miss the mark and we really want to have solid nutrient reserves going into pregnancy. So please don't buy your prenatal from the grocery store. Uh, the forms of the nutrients usually suck when you're getting, you know, a generic brand and please don't even get me started with the gummies, not the gummies. All that extra junk in there is just not serving you this. I promise you. So go with a professional grade quality uh, always when it comes to supplements, if you don't have access to a professional grade supplement company, pharmacy in the show notes, check it out. We'll put, there will be a, um, full script code that you can sign up with me as a practitioner and get access to professional grade quality supplements. Everyone should have access to good quality supplements. All right. Number six on our preconception checklist is if you're not already in one, get in a nourishing movement routine. So the general rule with exercise while pregnant is to not introduce anything new. So if you're not in the habit of working out before you get pregnant, it's hard to have a healthy movement routine during pregnancy. And this doesn't mean that you need to start super intense exercise now, but find if you find that you're a relative, relatively sedentary person, use this time leading up to conception to build in a cardio and resistance training regimen into your life so that you can stay active in your pregnancy, which will help result in a better birth and better pregnancy health outcomes for you and for baby. And if you don't know where to start, you know, I always suggest either for doing a few sessions with a trainer or going to workout classes where you can get ideas. You don't have to just go at it alone. Um, there's also amazing free workouts available on YouTube. You could do dance, you could do Pilates, you could do yoga, whatever it is, but get into a consistent nourishing movement routine. If you're not already in one. Number seven on our preconception checklist is to start connecting with spirit baby. It's so important to open up the pathways of communication 
and set up the cosmic runway for Spirit Baby in the months leading up to conceiving. As you probably can guess, this is the 10% <laughs> where we're not going to talk studies, but it's equally as important as the other eight, nine, <laughs> as the other nine points on this list. I deeply believe that your child chooses you and that they want to be invited in. The more we open the line of communication up with Spirit Baby, the more they see that the, the cosmic runway is open for them to come into this world. And I'm getting emotional just even talking about it. It was such a huge part of my practice for years before I was even close to being ready to conceive. And I talk about this in my, you know, our, my getting pregnant story, which is another episode. If you haven't listened to that yet, highly go, highly recommend going and doing that. But, you know, Danny and I would speak to spirit baby before bed a couple times a week for years before we were ready. And we would say things like, hi, spirit baby. We love you. We're so excited to meet you. We're not, you know, we're not ready yet, but just know that we still think about you all the time. And these are the things that we are going to imagine doing together. And so much of the work we're doing is for you or whatever, right? That feels in alignment for you. There are so many ways to connect with spirit baby. Tell them about your day and what kind of things you're doing and what you're excited to do when they come here and to this world with you. Tell them if you're not ready for them yet, but what you're doing to prepare for them, welcome them into your life well before they make their presence known. We go to parties that we're invited to. Invite Spirit Baby in. This allows for a way more connected and conscious conception path. And in my opinion, and in my experience for myself, for countless clients, it is a critical part to having an easy or aligned conception. Please, please, please do not discount this because I don't have peer-reviewed studies to back it up. It is so important. There's a great book called Spiritual Fertility that I highly recommend checking out. If this is something you want to dive deeper into, of course, you can also reach out to me and we can do some of this work together. It's really powerful. You can set up an email account and send spirit baby emails. There's so many ways to connect. Start opening up the connection pathways. Number eight out of 10 on our preconception checklist is to support your microbiome. In my opinion, this one is so under talked about. No one is talking about supporting your microbiome before pregnancy. And I don't get why not, because it has so much to do with how your baby's entire immune system is going to be set up. Okay. But for anyone who isn't fully aware of what the microbiome is, the microbiome is a collection of bacteria that live in your gut. There's approximately three pounds of it. Don't think about that too late at night. It's kind of gross. Three pounds of living, breathing <laughs> bacteria that use you as a host that live in your digestive tract. And here's the cool thing. Your vagina has a biome too. And the gut microbiome is collected, is connected to your vaginal microbiome. All right. And that vaginal microbiome is going to, if you have a vaginal birth, set your kiddo up with their gut microbiome. 
if you have a C-section um, and you, and it is actually recommended that you swab the vagina before and cover the baby's face in it immediately. Like just, you know, get them all up in there <laughs> uh, to help support the process of supporting your baby's microbiome. So that staph is not the main bacteria that they're exposed to. Um, so look that up if you end up having a C-section or, I mean, it's oftentimes it's not something that people plan, obviously. So, um, just be aware that that's something that should be done. If a C-section is how you end up having your baby swab the vagina and cover their face in it. But anyways, in a natural vaginal birth, the microbiome exposure that the baby gets when coming through the birth canal goes such a long way to setting up the baby's microbiome for life. And our microbiomes are so closely linked to many systems in our body, just to name a few, your immune system, your metabolic health, i.e. like how you, how well your body processes nutrients and it impacts our weight and overall health, things like that. Mental health, such a deep connection between the microbiome and serotonin, the microbiome. And, you know, they've even started looking at, um, MIT, I believe has started looking at diseases like schizophrenia and bipolar disease as diseases of the gut. It has so much to do with the microbiome. So since bacteria are colonizers, the first ones that get there set up camp and make it hard for others to come in and claim space. So your baby's first exposure, which is during birth, right? Going through the vaginal canal and then through your saliva, when you're giving them all those amazing kisses and through your breast milk is going to build their foundation for their microbiome for their entire life. No big deal. <laughs> it's actually a huge deal and a huge responsibility. So diversifying and increasing the health of your microbiome is really important as part of your preconception journey. Additionally, if you have a healthy microbiome, it's associated with lower instances of GBS, which if your provider tests for during pregnancy, which is pretty standard today for most care providers to do slash offer. Um, if you test positive for GBS, most people will be recommended antibiotics, which is a bummer for your baby in terms of impacting the way that they breastfeed, just a lot of things. Um, and also it's setting up the stage for even a more knocked out microbiome because of the antibiotics. So supporting your microbiome is a really great way to help prevent getting GBS, but also to create a healthy vaginal microbiome that is going to set your baby up for good gut health, which means good mental health, good overall immunity, good metabolic health, and so much more for life. Moving on to nine out of 10 on our 10 part conception checklist is examining your relationship with caffeine and alcohol. Wow. This one is so important. And before anyone immediately panics and turns off this podcast, when hearing this, please, please, please hear me out as a former coffee addict and lover, not even just addict. It wasn't that I needed it. It was like, I just loved it. And also someone who loved and still loves natural wine. I get it. But I also know that this examination of this relationship with these substances is something you don't want to skip over going into conception. Let's look at a study to start us off in a study that followed 344 couples who became pregnant while enrolled in the longitudinal longitudinal investigation of fertility and environment study. 
Drinking two or more caffeinated beverages a day increased miscarriage risk by four, by 74%. This was almost equal for the men, increasing the risk of their partner having a miscarriage by 73%. And this is not only during pregnancy, but looking at the period of time leading into conception as well. Wild, right? And this was not the only study that was done. Another study, it showed three or more caffeinated beverages, but it had the same 74% outcome, both for men and women approximately, but it was three caffeinated beverages a day. This mechanism, I just need to say is like not fully understood. They don't really have the full picture of why caffeine is impacting pregnancy loss so deeply, but because it's almost an equal amount with the man, what they believe is that it's changing the genetic expression of genes that go into the egg and sperm development. So creates, you know, potential genetic abnormalities, things like that. Let's also remember that a cup of coffee is eight ounces. How many, you know, when they're measuring a, a cup of a caffeinated beverage, a beverage here, it's an eight ounce cup. So how many people are filling up their thermos? or a large cute mug that you got at a street fair last fall. And it's like definitely closer to 14 or 16 ounces because it's like cute and cozy and big. And you're filling it up twice. You're filling it up one and a half times. So while I'm not here to say without knowing the specifics specifically of your situation with caffeine, that you need to go cold turkey, though it is possible that you would benefit from that. I do think that anyone going into a conception journey, speaking to both partners, by the way, should look at their relationship with caffeine and see how they might cut back in order to promote the best chance of success with taking a pregnancy to full term. Additionally, caffeine stresses women's adrenals. And if you're already struggling with hormone imbalance, you know, caffeine can lead to irregular cycles and that can make getting pregnant more challenging. So not only could it, you know, impact viability, but also it could just impact the ease of which conception can happen. So now caffeine, people's morning vice. Now alcohol, the evening vice. Oh, alcohol. How our society has framed you in such an innocent way, <laughs> normalized you. It's really crazy how alcohol and caffeine for that matter, both of them are two drugs that have been so normalized. You can go into basically any store on any block and get a serving of one or the other. And if you don't partake in them, people question your intentions. Why aren't you drinking? <laughs> Anyways, I digress. I think it's really crazy um, that our society has, has developed this way. And I have lots of opinions about it, but that will be a separate episode. Let, let's just like, no matter how you slice it, alcohol is a toxin. Okay. Now it's a toxin that maybe sometimes it's okay for you to come into contact with. I don't know. I personally love my relationship with alcohol and I do occasionally drink not while I'm pregnant, but you know, not often, generally speaking, when I'm not pregnant, I can, you know, in my day-to-day -day life go months without having a drink three months, no problem. Like don't even think about it. Or I could be on a trip or at a wedding and have a couple drinks in a weekend but what amazes me is how many women who 
so like here to the point of speaking to my relationship with alcohol is I think it's very possible to have a healthy relationship with alcohol where you do drink a little bit, like that's fine. Um, drink moderately, whatever you define as moderate for you. It, it again, it is a toxin, no matter how you slice it, but it maybe is a toxin that, you know, some people are okay coming into contact with sometimes I'm one of those people, but what amazes me is how many women who desire to become pregnant drink and drink heavily, what I consider to be an average of three to five times a week. I consider that heavy drinking. You know, when you're preparing to become pregnant, to create the optimal environment for that pregnancy, you're best off treating your body like you're already pregnant. I love asking my clients, what would pregnant Stephanie do? I use their name, right? But like, what would pregnant Juliana do? What would pregnant Rachel do? Like whatever, fill in the blank for your name. And if you wouldn't drink while you were pregnant, then you probably shouldn't be drinking if you're trying to get pregnant. You know, some, some women in certain parts of the world, especially like France continue to drink during pregnancy and in small amounts, it may be okay, but drinking regularly while preparing to conceive is just like a no-go. And I have to say, if you're dependent on alcohol for stress management, which so many women are, or dependent on it for joy or for a social lubricant, how do you think you're going to do when you go into a 10 months of not drinking period? Likely not particularly well. I've seen this happen with people in my life who just did not enjoy being pregnant because they couldn't drink. And what a shame to waste such a spiritual, beautiful experience simply because you have FOMO around alcohol. Also, not not to mention that most alcohol has added sugars and chemicals. I'm looking at you, wine, you know, and yes, just buying the expensive wine does not make it better. <laughs> and that makes it harder for your liver to do its job, which is so important for hormone balance. And alcohol also harms the gut lining, which we know how important gut health now is for pregnancy and setting up for the health of your baby. So in your preconception journey, it's just really important to get really real with your relationship with alcohol and make sure it's serving you and you're and serving the little one to come. Uh, yeah. So time to do a little look inside at your relationship with caffeine and alcohol and just see what serves you and what doesn't. Now we've gotten to number 10 of our 10 step preconception checklists. And we're going to end on a fun high note, which is to track your cycle, not just your period. There's a big difference, uh, to track your cycle, ideally using fertility awareness method, or at least to use your basal body temperature, your temping method to get clear on ovulation and when it's happening monthly. So starting to track ovulation is clearly one of the most helpful tools in planning for conception. Too often I see women basing when, you know, basing when to conceive on when their app is guessing that their ovulation window is. And the, the app is only getting that data for the most part, based on when their periods are. And it's a very flawed system. Also, sometimes women are following, you know, you ovulate on day 14 advice and timing ovulation matters a lot. <laughs> it really matters a lot when it comes to getting ready to conceive. And if you are hoping to go into your conception journey with confidence and with ease, knowing exactly when is the right time to have intercourse with the intention of conceiving is really valuable to know exactly when you're ovulating and to make sure you are ovulating. So often I've started working with women who have been trying and trying to get pregnant and they think that they're ovulating because they're bleeding. And then we start tracking their ovulation and they're not, they're not ovulating. So 
not only does like the timing of ovulation matter, and that's why temping or using fertility awareness method can be really helpful to get us clarity on that, but also tracking your cycle this way gives us insight into progesterone levels by seeing your luteal phase length and how much of a thermal shift we see when you temp on your chart. And if all of this sounds like Chinese to you, I'm going to be doing a fertility awareness method masterclass. Highly recommend you join for that or reach out to me and we can work on this together. Um, so yeah, we can learn a lot about your progesterone levels, which pro gestation hormone progesterone is really important for pregnancy. So we can learn a lot about those progesterone levels by looking at your luteal phase. We can also see what's going on a little bit with your thyroid, which is really important for uh, conception and also healthy pregnancies by seeing what your basal body temperature is falling at. Oftentimes low basal body temperature is a sign of a low functioning thyroid. So overall temping or part of a, you know, or using fertility awareness method, which encapsulates temping and also other biomarkers like cervical fluid and cervical position can give us a really valuable insight into the health of your cycle. So, you know, you are going into your conception journey aware and can even address any potential imbalances that you see there with plenty of time to spare, or you can, it can simply give you the confidence to know when you're ready to conceive that there won't be any guessing as to when is the optimal time to take action. So there it is, my loves, our 10 step preconception checklist to support an easy conception, a healthy pregnancy, a bright, healthy babe. I'm not only in the business of helping women get pregnant, but helping women have healthy pregnancies and healthy babies. I do recommend that you follow this preconception checklist for about six months. Any amount of time that you can give it though is valuable. An egg takes 90 days, approximately three months to mature. So three months is a really good starting point. Six months is great. A year or more is even better. This checklist is part of the approach that I take with my fertility clients. I have over an 85% success rate with my clients for fertility. And I love nothing more than when a woman comes to me in her preconception phase. And what I mean by that is She's in a phase where she's not hundred percent ready to conceive yet, maybe four, six, eight months down the line, but she's ready to prepare her body for pregnancy. I, I always talk about how pregnancy, you know, it's, it's getting the pregnancy promotion. It is the hardest job that your body will ever do. And just like with any promotion, you work your way up. So, you know, it's so beautiful to see when I work with these clients, how the transition into conception often happens so seamlessly since they took this premester, this pregnancy promotion with so much intention. Uh, that said though, I love working with women on all parts of their fertility journey. If you are currently working and have already been trying to, you know, been having intercourse with the intention of conceiving and have not been successful, there's so much that we can do to support that journey, no matter what part of it you're on. And it's such an honor to be a guide and a witness to women on these journeys and to help them actualize their dreams of motherhood. So if you're looking to conceive anytime in the next 12 months and want to do it in a supported, mindful, holistic way, please reach out. I'm accepting new clients until February and would love to support you in this process.
Please share this podcast with anyone in your life that's desiring to get pregnant in the coming years. We change the world when we change the health of the next generation. And that health starts in the womb. And the health of the mothers carrying them matters so much as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us or click subscribe. This helps us get the information, this really valuable information into the hands of more women. Thank you so much for changing the world with me. I'd love to hear as you start incorporating these checklist items into your life, how it's going, send me a message on Instagram, Stephanie Adler wellness. Also, there's a link to that. If you don't know how to spell my name (laughs) on the podcast page, lots of love.